Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this hello, is Chris J. It's Kyle as well. And uh, we are here. Uh, you are listening to our very first podcast. And we didn't even tell anybody we're doing this because it's a flat-out experiment. So we could be doing this for nothing if it doesn't work out. But we wanted to try one. And if we're happy with it, we're going to post it. So, Not to mention we weren't sure if we would actually get around to doing it because we've been talking about it for it, two years probably two years, at, at least, least. At least. And listen, <laughs> we know everybody has podcasts. We know that's the thing. We know there's tons of bands that have podcasts. But I'm going to say that I always thought if we did one, we'd have a really good one because we are constantly in conversations. You and I, other guys in the band, our friends. And after we're done talking, we say, Jesus, that would have made a great podcast episode. It, it just happened before we started this, actually. We yeah. already had another future podcast yeah. conversation. This, our first podcast may suck because we actually just had a great podcast discussion about the merits of Saves the Day. And it was actually a philosophical conversation about that band. Yeah, we went through record for record so we why may, that band's great. So we may have great. to put that on the upcoming list. So that's the good news. If you're listening to this, it means we've actually decided to do a podcast. We've committed. We'll be here weekly. If you're here, that is. If not, then yeah. we'll be here regardless. Absolutely. And our and parents the, will listen. And at least our plan right now, the way we want to do this is because there's so many topics out there that we could talk about. Kai and I discussed it, and we decided to really kind of go specific topic for each episode because we're just way too all over the place. There's no way we could talk about the music we love, the movies we love, uh, bands we love, uh, you know, situations, politics, the world, rock and roll. It would be a three-hour podcast yeah. every week, and, and nobody wants that. You don't I, want I, know, I don't want that. Yeah, when I download a podcast, if I, you know, after thirty minutes, I'm out. You know, so we Absolutely. don't want to beat you up too much. We're going to keep it kind of short, and we're going to pick topics. So our very first topic today's episode, if you will, episode number one, um, we decided to do in tribute of October and Halloween coming up. We are going to talk about horror movies. You're welcome in advance. Yes, yes. Come we to the right we, place for this. We think we picked a good topic. We are, I don't want to say experts, but quasi-experts, if we will. We're at least we're at least aficionados, at least fans. Yeah, totally. So this is going to be a two-parter, most likely. We're going to probably chop this up because it is such a big subject. But let's just get right into it, Kai. Um, tell me about your history with let's start let's take let's start horror movies from the beginning so let's do universal horror movies folks we're talking the classics frankenstein dracula the so Wolf we're gonna Man. skip the silent movies before that because it went back they were they've been making scary movies okay, a long well, let's time start from the top. let's start from the top <laughs> this so this is horror movies part one the early years let's let's talk about first let's talk about how you got into the movies like what what's your history because you're big you got horror movie tattoos for god's sake it's true it's true just I was just a weird kid. Not weird. I know a lot of kids have this experience, but I was a little kid that just liked. You didn't horror. get any more normal either. <laughs> no, it's true. I've only gotten weirder. I assure you. Twenty five later, yeah. twenty five years later, still pretty weird. Yeah, no, I mean, but I was the kid that was just always into dark things. Like I would, my favorite Disney cartoons were the Halloween ones. I loved yeah. Legend of Sleepy Hollow and things oh. like that. So. We've talked about that, but um, here we go, veering immediately. But Legends of Sleepy Hollow, uh, Mr. Toad, the yeah. combo cartoon, is. Maybe pound for pound, my favorite animated Disney release. I will absolutely agree with you, one hundred percent. I mean, I I love the movies, and I'm a huge Disney fan, but. 
that just as a kid that I couldn't wait for Halloween to come around. Because back then, that's the only way you could see them. Yeah, because it would just come on the Disney Channel. Yeah, we or, come, or, yeah you know, for, for, on, for you young well, kids Weekly out there, for you young, young kids, I mean, Kai and I came, you know, we were little kids when VHS came out. So, you know, when we were born, there was no VHS. You only saw stuff on film. That was it, film and TV. Certainly not those kind of TV specials. Yeah. I mean, if something came out on VHS, it was a big-ass movie. It wasn't some 30-minute, yeah. 20-minute special. Exactly. And then as we got older, VHS obviously got bigger, and you could watch more stuff, and now it's a completely different universe. But back then, seeing some of these movies was a real chore. So so as you were saying, you were a dark child, and you loved yeah. dark Disney. And just those, yeah, those sorts of cartoons, those were the things that appealed to me. And, you know, so... Being a kid of the 80s, of course, in the 80s, horror movies exploded. Mm-hmm. All the, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, things like that. So I couldn't have Absolute rebirth. Rebirth. Huge yeah. rebirth. I mean, movies, big budget horror movies hadn't been made like that in a long mm-hmm. time. and But it was everywhere. And so being a little kid that was sort of into that, I figured out, okay, Freddy Krueger, what's this about? You mm-hmm. know, he's starting to appear on things targeted to slightly younger ages. And so my... I just became obsessed with Freddy Krueger, and I just needed to yeah. see this Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one. And my mom's hairdresser at the time, I happened mm-hmm. to mention it when my mom was getting her hair done. She's like, oh, I have, I have, I taped that off of HBO or whatever. Yeah. You can borrow this. Keep in mind, I am six years old. Yeah. And that's so, young. That's young. Yeah. My Freddy Krueger was not a, a funny character like yeah. he was now. I mean, especially to a parent. Yeah, that's he, a rated R gnarly yeah. that's yeah. that's you were gonna see that's some, boobs and blood. you're gonna see some boobies yeah, yeah absolutely bloody boobies yeah and so my and i didn't even know this i just knew about this mysterious character mm-hmm. and i wanted to solve the riddle of this freddy krueger and my mom knew even less than i did there was no internet to wikipedia who is freddy krueger it's just you would hear rumblings about this scary movie yeah, yeah. and at this point when this came when i'm looking at the first one the third one is around, it's around the time the third one's coming out or has come out i believe and so <clears throat> hairdresser was like yeah i have the first one or first two i'll bring the tape next time cool my mom's like okay you know she wouldn't thinking why would this woman offer my six-year-old kid something he shouldn't see <laughs> yeah, totally. now, keeping in mind this is like a 20 something cool probably yeah. like you know stoner party girl who probably thinks you're 15 not six seven yeah. i i certainly weighed as much as i did at 15 <laughs> at that age but she gives me this tape and i come home and still my parents even let me watch this alone in my room. They wow. don't even think to like, maybe I should just see what this is about, uh, which is, was awesome because otherwise they would have turned it off in the very opening scene. I mean, as soon as that girl gets dragged across the ceiling and her, her chest opens up, I mean, that would have been the end of that. But I watched that entire movie and it just blew my mind. I had never, because I was obsessed with Ghostbusters at that point and Ghostbusters was the first movie that scared the living daylights out of me. Yeah. That librarian in Ghostbusters, that was the turning point where I needed to know more about horror movies that weren't cartoons. Yeah. And so I watched this, and it was like there was no fear. It was just I, I was obsessed. So there was a local video store that was within walking distance of my house, a couple of blocks in this little strip mall. And I proceeded that summer to watch every single horror movie in their horror section, <laughs> one by one, except for, ironically enough, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because that was where my parents drew the line, uh-huh. because they remembered when it came out, yeah. and it freaked people out. Yeah. So and that was we'll like... We'll get to that, because we got to talk about so, like, how that film in particular was looked at differently. And so it was Nightmare on Elm Street. was my that 
Disney Legislative Hollow into Ghostbusters into Nightmare on Elm Street was that was like my gateway drug path into uh-huh. this, and it, I never looked yeah, back. That, I mean, that's the cheap Coke Smack Trail, right? Yeah, there. and I I was actually in the I believe second grade. I was I was eight years old. I was Jason from Friday Thirteenth for Halloween. And I showed up to my elementary school mm-hmm. dressed like Jason with a machete and a hockey mask and a jumpsuit covered in blood. Uh-huh. And I got sent home. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Which now is a teen costume. Yeah, but I remember the bit. same thing. I mean, I remember there was a debate. I was in such a small town that there was a debate about whether Jason and Freddy were appropriate costumes. You know, now it'd be like no big deal because Freddy Krueger is almost looked at in a funny way. But at the time, you know, fake blood. Uh, you know. And they were icons of their time. Yeah. They were pop culture beyond the movies. Yeah. There were kids that were obsessed with it didn't know what the movies were about well i had a similar experience growing up in uh where i come from in jersey where uh i had that i was about like second grade probably similar maybe a little older than you were when i got into it but um it was my my friend vinnie campanella and i know you hear that name all the time because it seems like every story i tell about growing up he'll come up again yeah yeah he'll come up again great guy (laughs) Um, and uh, we just had that summer where, for whatever reason, we just fell in love with horror movies. And it was just, I mean, he kind of probably turned me on, though, to be honest. I was, a li- I was a bit of a scaredy cat still am. And uh, some of them were a little much for me, but I was a Jason man. Jason was the one that captivated me. That was, I just, like how you felt about Freddy, I just thought the hockey mask was the coolest thing in the world. You know, I just thought it was incredible. And it is. You know, and uh, I remember saving my money and going to, uh, there's a, I don't know. If they still exist, but a James Way. A James Way was a Kmart, which is essentially like a Walmart now, but we had a James Way in my town, and they had a movie section. Really showing your age, in fact, you had to go through three chains to get to the chain that yeah, relates to people yeah, now. totally, right? Yeah, it's, it's like a Target, you know? But I remember uh, VHS, and I would save my whatever allowance or you know do some chores or if i went got a present from my folks i'd want a vhs horror movie and i had a nice collection of horror movies and i did all the jasons and all the freddies but very similar to you texas chainsaw massacre i bought i bought that you know um i remember exactly what the exact cover of the one that i bought and was it it, the original or the second one i think it was the original vhs (laughs) release and it scared the hell out of me and I didn't finish it I didn't finish it because it was creepy it oh, was yeah. creepy it's quiet yeah I mean, it's it, not... it looks and we'll talk about it we'll get to it so anyway that's our introduction kind of the same age kind of the same type of kid we were just appealed to that I mean I would make um, my cousin and I would make fake horror movies and I'm talking like on a like baby's first camera like a little cranker I'd love to get my hands if that existed somewhere I don't even know how you could play the format but um, we would make horror movies we would uh, you know it was just I mean, my cousin was even more of an obsessive so basically I had my friend at home and I had my cousin and we were just these little kids that were just obsessed with horror movies and uh, it, you know and it was kind of a lifelong thing from that you know I strayed from it a lot I still appreciate them I'm not as fanatical as I was but there was a magazine called Fangoria. Oh, yeah. And I mean, yeah, I I mean, buying that every single month. And, you know, where some kids have posters of Lamborghinis and Ferraris in their bedroom. I had like the, there was a poster every month in Fangoria. I had Jason and Freddy, you know. Oh, yeah. And this is before Girls Come. Absolutely. And you could probably do a psychological thing about how horror movies almost precede sexuality in a weird way because I'm sure you're the same boat. But the first naked girls I really remember in my consciousness wasn't seeing a porn because that was very hard to find when we were growing up. that We got to do an episode on porn. Absolutely. That came a few years yeah. later. But um, 
that was the first set of boobs. I mean, you would sit there and rewind all day, and and you weren't totally sure if they were awesome yet. Like, they were awesome. There was always something mystical. Yeah, but you knew knew something was different when that scene came. And those 80s horror movies were just, I mean... Especially Friday the 13th. I mean, I ended up getting in trouble for one of the Friday the 13th movies, actually, because my mom happened to walk in, (laughs) finally walk in one time, and I'm watching them. And it's a scene where the the couple had just done having sex, and the girl's like basking on her back, and Jason comes up with the with the hedge clippers and puts them right in her eyes. Oh, yeah, my I mom that, walks yeah. in right then, but right not when she's getting the the head clippers in her eyes but as it's panning up her entire naked body past the bush my mom rejected that and re- that returned that was the only movie of that summer that I actually didn't get to finish That's of my fun. horror movie summer it's funny you know and it's not the blood and guts which is a whole conversation in itself but you know a naked girl cover your eyes a guy getting his head chopped off oh my kid can it's handle the most that. american logic right yeah there. exactly That's totally american <laughs> logic but they uh I mean, I can remember a couple now we're really uh, getting off topic we'll we'll have to get back on track here but I can remember um, distinct sex scenes from those movies to this Absolutely. day that I haven't thought of in years. But if you name a film, I could probably tell you from Friday the 13th. Either there's Friday the 13th uh, 6. I distinctly remember a rock and roll guy with a rock and roll babe having sex in an RV. Yep. And like they were listening to Walkmen while they were having sex. And there was something, I didn't know what they were doing. I was so little. But I was like, something's really, in- that just seems cool. Like, something seems fun there. Like, they're rocking out. They're rockers. Absolutely. She was like a rock chick. I should probably go rent that just because I want to know how good-looking she was because at the now I remember her being, like, the hottest 80s rock girl ever. I but she still is, though, because that's, yeah. like, you've translated that, those feelings probably to every woman since. Yeah. Like, you've been looking for that, like, feather-haired beauty for the rest. <laughs> like, in every woman you've, Absolutely. you've dated that since. Feather-haired, <laughs> mascara-covered yeah. rock beauty. But, so, um, so uh, hey, let's, let's, let's try and make something out of this podcast. If you were, by any chance, that girl that has sex in Friday the 13th, 6, in the RV, or you know that woman, who's probably significantly older now, or you can... You know, some of these Google research hounds that we know, I know a lot of people that are into the band, we, they bring us information that we're stunned that they even found. Do a little research for us. Let them know that the lead singer of Army of Freshmen was a huge and remains a huge fan of your uh, sex scene in a horror movie in the 80s. And uh, we hope you're well wherever you are. You know, she probably died a Yeah, just, just – Understand how many boners you gave. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How many early sexual feelings you awakened <laughs> yeah, yeah, in children. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe I was drugging a heterosexual direction because of you. And That's I thank, true. I thank you for that. Though maybe if if you were if not, you would have you know you would been, we'd be calling for that dude in the leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it had nothing to do with that girl. I was uh, stoked on man that guy having sex. You just wish you could cool. be her. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, we've gone far off topic here. And, of course, it's chicks that take us down the wrong road. Naturally. You get, you mentioned boobs and yeah. it's over. That is the story of life in general. Yeah. Just when you got your focus, a girl comes along and, for better or for worse, takes you down the wrong exit, you know? <laughs> boobs, the great distractor. <laughs> great topic, you know? So, okay, so that's how we both got into them. Same kind of age, same kind of year, same kind of background on horror movies. And, and we were children of the 80s. You know, slasher, slasher movies. We're talking. Eighties wasn't really about supernatural so much. There was poltergeist and stuff like that, but really it was yeah. about the slasher. And then there was like the zombie thing happening because that's mm. when the, all the Romeros came back. And yeah. I, was, I got way into the Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, cool. and those two. So let's take this podcast back to the original idea, which is 
That's how we got into horror films. Now let's talk about horror films and the history of them. Uh, where, in your opinion, did horror films originate from? I mean, that's such a debate. And But, I mean, I would say Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, that old, like, paramount mm-hmm. silent, silent film. film. So the silent film period. So basically, shortly yeah. after movies were invented, scary movies came into play. Very quickly, because that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, that's... Very early film. A sure German was... expressionist classic. And on top of that, you have Nosferatu, which mm-hmm. is, you know, first vampire movie. First vampire movie, and still the, the creepiest, man. I just watched that the other week again, and yeah. that is, he is just terrifying. Yeah, and, and when you come down to it, honestly, we're talking Germany. I yeah. mean, the Germans then really... the Opera. Yes. Which was which was England, but it was the same idea, and that's mm-hmm. Lon, the original Lon Chaney. No, but that was a universal feature. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. He so was ba- an English actor? So basically, um, you had um, Cabinet of Dr. Coglary, which you mentioned, um, Nosferatu, which you mentioned, and then uh, those were European films. Yes. And then uh, American film started to happen in Hollywood with, of course, Universal, which everybody knows, the famous monsters. But before we get to Dracula and Frankenstein, what you had just mentioned, the two biggies that occurred were the original Lon Chaney, not Lon Chaney Jr., who we will get to, but Lon Chaney, the man of a thousand faces, uh, silent films, uh, no specific order because I'm not good on the years, but Phantom of the Opera, um, Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde. And then the other big one was um, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Those were sort of like Universal, this film company, had a huge blockbuster success with these darker kind of films that starred this one guy, Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney was a superstar. I mean, like to think of him. He was the original him, horror star. Yeah, the first one, the first horror star. And he was known for his contortions and his faces, and, and but this is silent film. So what ends up happening is, Lon Chaney Jr., Universal at the time, realizes we're onto something. People seem to be getting into these scary movies, but we're talking silent film here, folks. We're not talking about talking like we know it. We're talking about grainy, black and white, yeah, you know, frames with text on it, exactly. and you know, and we're talking about movies that are a roughly an hour long. Yeah. And the frames with text 15. are a big thing because it yeah. kind of takes you out of the movie for a second. It does. So you'd see so the scary thing happen, but then you'd see words on the screen: "The Phantom has arrived, and he is scaring everyone." And people were still kind of freaked out, you know, but then... You got to calm down for a minute. You, there was no... The suspense was mm-hmm. away. And there was still a melodramatic feel to it. Yeah. Those early silent films are very over the top, you know? So then in comes the talkies. And it all starts with, in my estimation, the classic birth of the horror movie, Universal Horror, Dracula. Absolutely. Bela Lugosi, 1930, I believe, right around when the talkie mm-hmm. really happens... The movies we just mentioned were the influence on this, but along comes Dracula, and that's all she wrote. And what does Universal do? They remake Nosferatu, which is yes. incredibly successful. The German movie that we were talking about that kind of helped horror start is essentially Dracula is their version of Nosferatu. And it's a very similar even just in terms of pacing and plot. I mean, they're pretty similar movies. Uh, but I would say that Nosferatu is much creepier. Way creepier. Only yeah. because, like, Max Shrek, or however you pronounce his name, looks just, I mean, he's... Terrifying. He's terrifying in that. It's like, what did that guy look like without the makeup? Yeah. I know, like, 
Dale Defoe, I guess. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so it's also a good movie. Yeah, yeah, we should mention that for sure. So along comes Dracula and this studio called Universal that actually was having a lot of trouble at the time. Boom, they're as big as you get. They're friggin' DreamWorks. Dracula scared people. And one of the most important things I think we can say about these early horror movies, um, for those of you that really are having trouble grasping that they're scary or they're horror films, is this is new to people. They haven't seen this. Movies are new to people. The the idea of seeing something, there's no one sitting around talking about how bad the special effects look because they're not even cognizant of the fact that there are special effects. Yeah, this is flat out terrifying to people i mean they are terrified like they're honestly almost believing that what they see is real keep in mind this is before tv you have to really put yourself in the mindset of where the country was you know it was very broke we're coming out of the great depression people don't tvs don't exist yet people are listening to radio then all of a sudden they go to a theater and on a massive screen they're used to seeing newsreels newsreels which is real romantic comedy Charlie Chaplin, and there's this sinister, dark thing happening. Yes, if you watch Dracula now, you're probably not going to get scared. Bella Lugosi's still intense. Still intense. You'll appreciate it. You'll like it. You probably won't get scared. But you have to remember these people watching this. It's a brand new technology. This is terrifying. There were censors that lost yeah. their mind over these movies. You watch them now. There are and people protesting, saying that those movies were indecent. Yeah. And there's like, there's all sexualities to the whole Dracula yeah. story too. That's but these there are that's G-rated pretty, movies now. Absolutely. These are G-rated movies. A six-year-old could yeah, watch Dracula. This was Dracula. before ratings, but there were people that thought it was like, whoa, this guy's possessing these women. It's thing. like an X-rated film. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not. So Dracula explodes. Bela Lugosi is a superstar. And here we go. The first great period of horror movies is ushered in. Um, and the studios can't make them fast enough. But Europe's still doing some good things, too. True. I mean, there's, it's just happening everywhere. Exactly. But Universal kind of grabbed the ball and ran with Absolutely. it. They knew they were into something. So what do they do? They take another fictional character. Uh, you know, Dracula was written by Bram Stoker. It's an old book. And they do and this. it was probably a free book at that point. They probably didn't have to pay for the royalties, yeah. which is a huge yeah. point. And so along, they do it again with Frankenstein. Now, if Dracula raised the bar... Frankenstein exploded it. It, I mean, I, it's hard to even kind of put still into to this words. day. That movie is, I mean, it's it's, tr- it's, it's unbelievable. It's tremendous. Yeah, and because there's heart in it that's not in Dracula. Dracula's exactly. creepy, but this is like an emotional story. And that on makes top a of star it. out of Boris Karloff. So now you have two mega stars in horror. You have Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff, both Europeans. Uh. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, Bela Lugosi was Hungarian, and Boris Karloff was English. English. Yeah, but they both came to America, so yeah. that's what you did back then. And that's because, where the money was. Yeah, exactly. And they were both struggling actors, oh, yeah. which is kind of cool. And that's the stuff you don't see anymore in Hollywood that I love about old Hollywood. There was an excitement, and there was something about finding unknowns. The industry was still new. So you could go to Hollywood and be a nobody and then get plucked into fame. It still happens, just not as much not as much there's agents and managers yeah. but back then i mean boris karloff was a char- character actor is saying a lot he, was he did just, a lot of radio stuff yeah too. he was like an extra yeah you know what i mean so anyway because he was ugly frankenstein happens and in researching this podcast one of the things i found out that blew my mind did you know that the world premiere of frankenstein was in santa barbara 
No. Swear to God. San- which theater? Santa Barbara at the Granada Theater, which still stands to this That's day. That's so cool. It almost I makes no you want to go to the Granada Theater and take a picture of it because... That's where it all started. I mean, Frank, I mean, who would have thought? We will do you know? that and upload a picture of the Granada Theater to the website. Yes, we will do that for you. So Granada Theater, which is still there. You can still go see shows. I've seen several Elvis shows Costello there. played there a couple years ago. We, yeah. almost, we almost went. We had tickets the day after. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a sad story. So uh, Frankenstein happens. Boom. Horror is huge. And they just start coming. The movies are flying out. We could go on and on, but we're going to concentrate on them. they couldn't put them out fast yeah. enough. Yeah, I mean, it was every a, studio. A that was the new big thing. That and, was it. But then all the silent stars now, the Charlie, Charlie Chaplin at that point is done. All silent those, stars all are wiped out. All those people are just... And, and Lon Chaney, who we referenced was the first horror star with the silent films, uh, you know, if you know horror, you know this. If you don't, it's an interesting fact. He was set to be even bigger when silent pictures came. This guy was freaking George Clooney and Brad Pitt rolled into one. As big as you could get. And, silent, and talking films were only going to make him even bigger. And he got throat cancer and died, and he was originally scheduled to be Dracula. And that's where Bella Lugosi comes in. But there was a curse that occurred, if you will. Um, Lon Chaney was supposed to be Dracula. He dies. Unknown Bella Lugosi, who was playing Dracula in theater productions, gets the role. Superstar. Bella Lugosi is asked to do Frankenstein. And as we all know, or you know, if you don't, he turns it down because there's not enough lines. He thought the makeup would restrict him, and he thought it was a dumb, oafy character. Basically, the worst decision that anyone could ever make with their life because they say, had he been Frankenstein and not Boris Karloff, Karloff, first off, would just be another character actor. He wouldn't exist. But Bela Lugosi could have been the biggest star in he the history of been. Earth. Because he yeah. would be the two biggest movies of all time yeah. up at to that point. And the two horror icons. Because you do have Lon Chaney Jr. You do have a few other people that did make their mark. But really, when it's talking about those classic horror movies, it's Karloff versus Lugosi. And you pick a team for the yeah. most part. And he would have, you know. He would it, he would have owned it. Yeah, absolutely. So he blew it. And there is, if you can believe this, um, it's lost. But he did a film test on the set of Dracula for Frankenstein. Nobody, it's gone. Nobody knows where it Somebody is. Somebody has it. Yeah, I, I like to think that it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark. It Star. is. But um, let's go find that. That is. Oh, yeah. If anybody out there knows where that Does is, anybody have a whip? Yeah. So they um. That is literally one of the, the, the number one most sought out piece of lost film, period. There's a lot of lost movies out there. Yeah. Um, but that is the most significant lost piece of film, um, uh, you know, next to probably, like, you know, the footage that the babushka lady took of the JFK assassination, <laughs> wherever that is. Um, so It's in the same place. Same place. Yeah, one guy's got it. Nixon! You know? <laughs> Buy on eBay. So, uh, you know, he doesn't do that, but he's a star. Karloff's a star. Universal horror is, is, is the deal. And then we move into some other characters. Karloff then surpasses... Lugosi, right after Frankenstein. He does what Lugosi didn't do instead of passing. Take the next big horror role, which was the Mummy. The Mummy. Um, So Karloff does the Mummy. And my personal favorite Universal horror movie. There you go. So now you have the biggies: Dracula, Frankenstein, the Mummy. But Karloff is two of the three initial biggies, and he got so big from Frankenstein. He was so big in the credits for Frankenstein. The monster is a question mark. They didn't even use his name. By the time The Mummy comes around a year later, he is such a superstar and he, that 
he is billed as Karloff the Uncanny. Think about that, folks. Could you imagine walking around calling yourself, you know, you know, as not a professional wrestler or yeah, know, yeah, a you are an actor. You are an actor. You are an actor. So that that would be like George Clooney being like George Clooney, the beautiful, you know, or like you know, Brad Clooney, the beautiful. Yeah, yeah, you know, Pitt, the sex, you know, Pitt, the perfect. Totally, you know. <laughs> That's pretty legit, though. Yeah. I, let, someone needs to do that. Grow some insane. balls, Hollywood. Yeah, totally. And that's where the uncanny X-Men comes from because they took it from Boris Karloff, the uncanny Karloff. So anyway, both of those guys go on to have ups and downs. There's all sorts of wonderful movies from that period. I would say the next, um, The Invisible Man happens yeah. around the same time. Which is great. Claude Rains. He's lesser of the universals, but he's there. He did a lot of other stuff, too. He was more of the, like, he did a lot of kind of dramas. Real. And things. Casablanca. Absolutely. You know? Um, God, I mean, so yeah. then I would say the next major character, because there's a lot of Edgar Allan Poe films and a lot of smaller films, is uh, about a decade later, if you will, and it's The Wolfman, which is my favorite. And that's Lon Chaney Jr., who is the son of Lon Chaney, the silent film star. Lon Chaney didn't want his kid to be in acting, probably from an egotistical standpoint, made his kid be a plumber. Lon Chaney and he had a looks like a plumber. He looks like a plumber. <laughs> had a plumbing business that you could have had this famous actor be fixing your toilets, and then ten years later, so he gets into acting late. Everybody thinks he's a joke. He's in a movie called Of Mice and Men, the Steinbeck movie. Steals the show. Real kind of heartfelt performance. Gets cast as the Wolfman, and now we have our third or fourth great horror star. Yeah. Um, so then the Wolfman comes. Now we're moving into World War II. And as you can imagine, horror movies eh, took a bit of a hit. People are already bummed and scared. Life about was horrifying. Life. I mean, they yeah. think that a war is coming to I mean, Pearl Harbor, that was the first time, you know, in most of those people's lifetime, they saw a battle on our soil. Yeah, like, people, people were terrified. Yeah, the last thing they would do is be freaking scared, you know? So horror movies kind of get put on the shelf a little bit, a little bit. But there they is. They just stopped making as much money. They yeah. weren't as much into. Just and, like and the market did get flooded. Too. Flooded. For all these classics we're talking about, there is junk like you wouldn't believe. There are remakes of every one of those we just talked about with no name actors, and they're just terrible. Yeah. So so then something happens where uh, they two things kind of happen from what I can tell. Number one is a theater in L.A. started to run a Frankenstein Dracula double bill. I, 15, 10 years after the films were big. It would be like bringing back, I'm going to say, let's say, uh, Old School and Step Brothers as a sequel, you know. In a time when you could see them no other way. Yeah. yeah no one you, had No one saw them. So no one had like, seen them since they were initially big in the 30s. No one saw these movies. So you talked about them. You told your little brother, and your little brother was sad that he couldn't see them. Well, it becomes a phenomenon, and movie theaters all over the United States bring back these two horror classics. So in comes this second wave of movies. Another thing happens, TV. TV comes along, and Universal licenses all these films. Um, they called it the shock package, shock theater. And they went to all these TV networks, which is complicated to get back into how the old TV system worked, but it wasn't like today. Every city had different stations, you know? So they licensed a ton of their classic films to TV, and a whole new generation of kids fall in love with these universal horror movies. And this is the generation where the toys start to come in. The marketing starts to happen. The marketing, the Halloween costumes. Halloween costumes. And kids are dressing up as Frankenstein, and they're dressing up as, you know, the Wolfman, and they're dressing up as Dracula. So that kind of comes from TV. These These movies are brought back 
from a TV standpoint. Um, and then then you sort of move into after that, you and know, drive-ins, drive-ins, very big. Universal has kind of one last classic monster, and I think that that's the creature of the Black Lagoon. Absolutely. You watch the creature movies; they weren't made when Frankenstein and Dracula were. They look different. These are products of drive-ins. These are 1950 kind of scary movies. But the creature really, for some reason, resonated with people. Had multiple sequels, and something else about these movies that we got to talk about is. This is where sequels were born. Yep. You don't get all the sequels. Now, we, if a movie's a hit, it has a sequel. Back then, horror movies invented the sequel. Th- that's where they came from. There was so there much were recurring demand. characters before that, but there were no, no direct sequels, nothing related. It would be like, you know, Mr. Wong, another Mr. Wong mystery, or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was. Because you, know? you got to look at it like we are saying these single movies, but these are multiple films. I mean, Frankenstein series, Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein, House of Frankenstein. And they did House of, I mean, that, oh, that became a big Dracula, yep. Dracula's daughter, yeah. House of Dracula. Then they started putting them all together in mashups. That's another yeah. thing. It's the first time Dra- you ever saw two characters yeah. from two Crossovers. different series. And that started with Frankenstein mm, meets me, Dracula. Uh, Wolfman. Frankenstein that was before Wolfman. Yeah. Because oh. there is no verse Dracula. Oh, you know what that is? Yeah. Is it's Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello. <laughs> yeah. Me, yeah. So yeah. I mean, so and then Abbott and Costello, the comedy guys. But that's when these movies started to not become scary. Suddenly, Abbott and Costello they became were running parodies around of what they were. But that's because those actors became so famous too. Now yeah. instead of you'd see Dracula, instead of being like terrified of your mind, like oh, that's just. Bela Lugosi, who became, you know, mm-hmm. he became the go-to It's almost like guy. now when you see a famous actor in a role and you can't get over the fact that you just know he's a famous actor. Yeah. You know? So these movies come back, get big on television, so forth, and that's kind of like the first great period of horror. And let's talk, let's, you know, let's wrap it up, you know, wrap this whole period up. What are you, Kai, in your opinion, the universal horror guys that we just talked about? Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, the invisible man, the creature. Put them in order for me of your personal favorites because people are very personal about these monsters. If you talk horror with somebody, you will find somebody that just is a Ended if you think Bella Lugosi is better than Karloff, or you think Ooh. the Frankenstein's better than the Wolfman. I mean, people are very. Everybody's got their favorite. You know, my favorite. It, I mean, who's your favorite? The Mummy is my favorite, and it's my favorite flat out. And the sequels, I think, are the best sequels because I think that they stay the truest to the feel. Mm-hmm. All those, as you get on a bit, third or fourth one, they start to get bad. Yeah. But the first two Mummy movies are great. Uh, after that, I'm g- I'm gonna have to go Frankenstein, and I'm okay. I guess that just puts me on the car- team Karloff. But yeah. like, it's they're just as weird as Bride of Frankenstein is, and as weird as it is seeing him talk and that whole scene of. Many I people it. think that's the best universal I know, horror movie. But I, I don't agree, but many the, people feel that that reached a new art form, the and that's the sequel. Heart, absolutely. Yeah. It is, but the heart that's in the Frankenstein movies, I mm-hmm. I like. So you got Mummy number one. Yes, and there's not a lot of horror in that. I mean, no, for, for no, those no, of no, you not that at have all. not seen the Mummy, it's most essentially of the time, you a romantic film. And most of the time, you're not even you don't even realize that you know Karloff is the Mummy because he's you know more as like yeah. he, he's got all that he you know he's not wrapped up in the sheets mm-hmm. and all creepy like you'd think he so is. So you got the Mummy, then you got Frankenstein. Yeah. Where do you personally go after that? Then I go Dracula, okay. but very close with Invisible Man. Ooh. I only I it's only because I love the first Invisible Man. Okay. 
the sequels are shit. Okay. <laughs> and so then, obviously, that leaves Creature, at the, which I love the f- the first Creature, but same thing, the sequels get a little weird. So, okay, yeah, but we born. have a big problem, because my number one Wolfman is completely out oh of your god, list. Oh my god, I forgot, I completely forgot the We're, Wolfman. So you got Mummy, oh Frankenstein, okay. Invis- Dracula, I, Invisible Man Creature. I have to put Wolfman 3. Have to. Okay. Because okay. the sequels are also, I enjoy so the So you'll take Wolfman over Dracula. Yeah. Only okay. because the only Dracula that I really like, the only one, is the first one. Okay. The okay. sequels, I'm just really not into them. They're, yeah, they, yeah. they really and, go bad. Lugosi was really only in one of the yeah. sequels. And, God, and it was the comedy and when one. It was the Shady comedy Jr. one. comes in, don't it's even brutal. get me started. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's brutal. So, yes. Yeah, so, it'll be Mummy, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, Invisible Man, Creature. Creature. And Invisible Man might even be ahead of Dracula. That's wow. I'd have to watch the sequels again. Right. because Invisible Man, I've always felt, was a little more of a science film. You know, yeah. it's science fiction because it, it's an H.G. Wells story, right? But at that, yes. But at that time, science fiction and horror were sort of one and the same because you can say the same thing about Cabin of Dr. Caligari. A lot of people say that's the greatest science fiction movie of all yeah. time. And you're like, well, okay. or the greatest mystery. I mean, it's... Mm. it's I would go I would go Wolfman first because as much as Lon Chaney can be a bad actor, he can be just as good, but he only achieved it in a couple films. And I think the Wolfman's one of them. Oh, and, and just the I just scenes. like how the Wolfman looks. Yeah. He's just cool as hell to me. I like the sadness of it. That was yeah. a guy that didn't want to be a monster. Uh-huh. You know, he was Dracula was cool being Dracula. Creature was what he was. The invisible man was insane. Frankenstein was essentially a mutant. You know, he didn't want to be there either. So I, I tend to like the ones that are forced to be in the situation. So I, I take Wolfman first. And I like the mute. I just I'm just a Wolfman guy. Dude. I mean, I love the cane. Yeah, well, the cane. Um, I love the Wolfman. Uh, secondly, cane. Frankenstein. So I'm with you on number two. I love the first Frankenstein. Only thing that just drives me up a goddamn wall is the end of that film where they just have to totally go hokey. <laughs> yeah, like they go dead thirties the hokey. They just give it this weird. Have you seen all this horror? Now we're all happy and life is good. That scientist was goddamn insane 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 and then all of a sudden he just gets married and everybody loves him if you watch frankenstein folks get to the end of that and you'll be like what the hell i made somebody watch I it recently agree. that never had seen it they're like what what's up with this movie and they watch frankenstein and they got to the end and they're like that makes no sense but back then it's almost like you needed it the damn film scared people so much snow white's the same way if you watch snow white i mean it gets just darker darker and darker and they're chasing the witch up the hill and then it just says, and they all lived happily ever after. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. This is the weirdest ending. Yeah. So weird. So I got uh, Wolfman. I got Frankenstein. Then I have The Mummy. I'm going to rate it high like you. I just think it's a really good piece of acting on Carlos's yeah. part. Um, my only gripe is the gripe that everybody has with The Mummy is that you only see The Mummy for about 20 seconds. Yep. You're like, God, how awesome it would be if he came back. But then sequels. they mummy overload you in the sequels, you know. Um, then I would go Dracula, because Dracula's Dracula. It's a classic. Some people would probably disagree with us and put that at the top. But it's not a great movie in hindsight. The movie yeah, itself lacks. And Nosferatu is um, so much better. And it's the same right. story. But, God, it's Dracula. Absolutely. Um, and then, to f- close it out, I'd do Creature from the Black Lagoon. And then, lastly, I would do uh, Invisible, Invisible Man. Just because I look at it, I've always looked at it more of a science fiction movie. you know. I'll but it is it. considered a classic universal it, horror. And it's so good. I mean, just the struggle he's going through when he's in that room. I mean, it's like, you know. So, if for our hell. listeners out there, if you have been intrigued by these early horror films that we're talking about, these classics, these are movies that I think you need to watch late at night. 
You need to have the lights off. They're black and white. You got to focus. You can't have it on in the background during the day. You got to set the mood. But October, Halloween, the wind changing. Don't be sleepy because you're a kid and you have no attention span. You're going to fall asleep. Exactly. So suck Give it, it up. Time. And, and really try and digest the beauty of these movies and how chill it is and just try and think about the fact that no one has seen this before. And I think you'll really appreciate. Picture yourself. It's 1931. You've only seen 10 movies Go to on begin Wikipedia with. and look up the other movies that came out that year. Mm-hmm. Just see what they're contending with. Yeah, exactly. So and so give our listeners, our listeners to the podcast that they may never hear if we don't release this, um, give them the three that you would say you need to see these three. These are Kai's recommendation for um, just early horror movies. I mean, you have to see the first Frankenstein. Have to. You have to see... You have to see Dracula Karloff. I mean, I would say go see Nosferatu, the silent movie, but that's expecting mm-hmm. a lot out of somebody that we're trying well, to... Well, let's say silent movie. If you want to go old, old school to see the Genesis. Nosferatu, because it is still creepy. It still creeped me out. I am a grown man. It mm-hmm. creeped me out cool. the other week. And I back Kai on that. I think you should see, if you want to try the silent film stuff, go Nosferatu. If you, I'll throw another one out. So we'll just go, we'll give them a couple. I, you got Nosferatu for silent film. I would say watch Phantom of the Opera to see Great. the genius of Lon Chaney and his faces and his acting and what he does. So you can start with those two. They may leave you a little bored, you know, because they are silent films, but check them out. And then what are your three, you know, first half of the century universal classics that someone has to see? You have to interested. see Frankenstein. You have to see Dracula. It's hard out because I want to say four because mm. Mummy's my favorite, mm. but I think it's more important to see Wolf, those, I mean, Wolfman. Frankenstein, Dracula, because you don't want to go double Karloff. Yeah. Mummy's my favorite, but I think if you have to go three, you have to go Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula. You yeah, and I uh, completely agree with Kai, because the three major stars we're talking about are Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, Lon Chaney Jr. Those are the three icons of universal horror, and those are their three masterpieces. The Absolutely. first Dracula, the first Frankenstein, and the first Wolfman. People will tell you Bride of Frankenstein, the sequel of Frankenstein is a better movie. Get there for Get there. But it's weird, it's different, it's ahead of its time, but you need to just do the classics. So, you know, uh, we hope that this uh, study and this conversation and this discussion on uh, horror movie and classic film cinema has been interesting and informative. We hope it's inspired you to go seek out these movies during the Halloween season. They are on the Netflix. If you have the Netflix, they are all of those movies we just discussed are on the yeah, Netflix. You know, check out these classics, including the silent ones. See what it's all about. But I will tell you, if you get stuck on these, they are addicting. And you will find yourself wanting to go to Universal Studios and go to the Monster Gift Shop and spend a hundred dollars on weird crap. I mean, it's just my wallet. Um, my wallet that I'm holding right now. It's a Universal Films Monster Wallet. There's a whole world out there. It's addicting. And one thing I would say too, if you really get caught up in these, and you and I have talked about this, Kai, but. The commentaries, the commentaries on these films. If you buy the DVDs, the documentaries about them as well. Same. There's thing. a. If you get the classic, it's a Universal Legacy collection. Don't make those anymore. They're yeah. expensive these days. Yeah, they're not so bad though. You can find them. You can find them at used stores. I've seen some on eBay that are cheap. They've got them for each one of these major monsters. They give you all the sequels on the set, so you get to watch the original classic, but then you get to watch the you know the couple multiple sequels. commentaries. Multiple you get, commentaries. You get the Spanish cut of Dracula. Yeah, the Spanish. There's a whole Spanish cut of. 
Dracula. It's really fascinating. Some people say it's better. And uh, there is a gentleman, um, again, I don't know if he would ever hear this, but I just want to extend my thanks to this man. His name is Tom Weaver, and he is a film historian, and he's all based on uh, monster movies, universal movies, horror, science fiction, B-movies. He is brilliant. He does many of the commentaries. His one on the Wolfman is an absolute masterpiece. Literally, if there were commentary awards, he should win a commentary award. He's interesting. He's funny. He's great. Um, he's written a couple books on the subject. He's co-written the definitive. Tell me if you're out there, email me. Yeah, please email me. And he's Give incredibly hard to feelings. find. He li- and check this out. He lives in Sleepy Hollow. I mean, can you believe that? And he's brilliant. He's just brilliant. So that's somebody that can kind of guide you along. You can go to any bookstore. There's a couple great books on Universal Monster movies. But if you really want to get in-depth, his book, uh, you know, Universal Horrors, it's a collection with an in-depth critique of all these films. It's what Kai and I did times a thousand. And it's a really fascinating part of history, movie history, and, and horror movies. And it's really the first half of the century. So in closing of the first half of our very first podcast, now we got to go to part two. Absolutely. Because there was so... We, we got to get to color. We're in 1950. We haven't even got to color yet, you know? So uh, we just want to wrap this up. Hopefully this first one was interesting, entertaining. This is the format we want to go with, though, right, Kai? Every week Absolutely. we pick a subject. Um, so if we started with the, you know, the first half of the century and horror movies and where they all kind of came from in the Universal Classics, it's looking like our next podcast is just naturally going to be... Part two. We have to. Part two. We haven't even gotten to Hitchcock yet. Yeah, we got to talk about all those type of movies when the color comes in. So, or, or I mean, any of the Poe movies. You know, I, I, and, and we haven't even talked about Vincent Price. It's endless. It's Vincent endless. Price is the greatest. So this is a two-parter, folks. This is our first part. Thanks for uh, checking out this experiment. We hope it went well. We hope you tune in for the second one. And uh, if all goes well, and we do decide to release this, I know the plan is we want to kind of do one a week, and we're definitely going to be talking about all sorts of subjects. And we want to hear about what subjects you want us to talk about because we'll talk about them for the most part. You know, we, we can talk. Yeah, we can talk. We we will ramble on. We want to take questions and all that kind of stuff. But you got to bear with us while. We develop this while we figure out exactly how we're going to do this. But I think we're going to give it a go. You feel good about this, Kai? I do. You think we're going to continue? The Army of Freshmen (laughs) podcast. And, yes, um, for those who ask, we will have the other members on. We will bring them in. But we're going to bring them in on uh, when uh, specialty subjects, when we know they can really contribute, you know? If we brought any of them in right now, they'd be sitting here waiting for us to get to, you know, Something Modern they care about, <laughs> yeah. you know. So uh, you know, we do some gaming topics. We'll bring in Jimmy. We'll bring in Dan. You know, we want to talk. You know, great rock piano players in history. We'll bring in Owen. We want to talk about. Uh, we'll bring in Aaron for other we subjects. Talk about yeah, being antisocial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. If you want to talk, talk about, about finance, yeah, if you want to talk about how to get lost in your own town where your own friends can't find you, we'll bring Aaron in. Maybe that'd be a great subject for someone who's on the lam. Aaron Goldberg <laughs> talks about how to disappear, you know. But all the guys are happy and healthy. We're all good. We're hanging out in Ventura, and uh, we will be seeing you all very soon. Just want to let you know, I haven't forgotten about you. We will be back uh, doing some touring next year, have a couple opportunities on the table. But we're winding down the year. The holidays are coming, and things do slow down. So we're hoping hoping that this podcast is a way to stay connected to you and keep giving you some of that energy that we have as we talk about random things. And thanks for listening to episode one. I'm Chris J. I'm Kai. And you have been listening to the Army of Freshmen podcast, you know, title to be announced. We don't even know if that's what we're going to call it. So if you have any ideas and titles, feel free. Yeah, send them in. Send them in. But uh, we definitely want this to be a way to talk to you and keep in touch and riff on some subjects. And uh, this is episode one. We will try to refine. We will try and get better. You've 
been listening to the Army of Freshmen podcast with Chris and Kai. Today's subject, episode number one, history in the making. Five years from now, when we go back, what was our first subject? It will be horror movies. Horror movies, Inception through black and white. Yeah, and we want to give a big shout out to John from Archive Studios, who's letting us come in the studio and record this. Yeah, really he had cool. To sit in here and listen to us because he can't. John, say it. hi from the distance. We're going to make John more part of the show, but uh, I think we bored him and he went and smoked a cigarette while we were riffing pretty hard. So, you know, we'll bring him in to talk about some recording techniques and uh, his deep love for Alkaline Trio and Saves the Day. So, guys, have a good one. Thanks for listening. Adios.